You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action. Laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network. Well, we've made it to Week 18. My goodness, Week 18 of the NFL season. The first Week 18, of course, under the new format and everything. And we've got a lot to get into for the next hour here on BetQL. I'm Alex Gold, along with Grant Paulson. He's in D.C. I'm in Kansas City, and uh, we'll find out how all these playoff matchups are going to be set up by the time we, we get to the end of this week. And I, I think, you know, Grant, if we, we look at season-long awards and throughout the season, at one point it, it seemed like on the MVP front that, oh, maybe Tom Brady was the front runner, whatever it may be. I think MVP and Offensive Rookie of the Year, for example, to me are kind of already locked up. I, I believe there's really only one season-long award that might have some sway with what happens here in Week 18. And for me, at least, that that's the Coach of the Year award. And over at FanDuel, you can take a look at some of the odds. And Zach Taylor's plus 175, for example. Matt LaFleur plus 195. And, and then Mike Frabel is plus 240. Uh, for, for me, if Mike Frabel gets the one seed and they get their win on Sunday, if that happens to me, Mike Frabel should be Coach of the Year, considering everything that transpired this season with injuries and, and also – you know, some of, some of the, uh, I guess, thought process of the two most impressive wins back-to-back this season when they beat Buffalo and Kansas City. Yeah, I think there's a really good chance he'll win it. So for him getting those odds you just referenced and essentially being number three and the most likely to get it according to FanDuel, I think it makes a lot of sense to put a couple of bucks on him. I would remind people, while I think Vrabel's done an incredible job and he's one of my favorite coaches in the NFL, he's in a division with Jacksonville and Houston. So that's three and one out of four at worst right there yeah. if your team's any good. Um, I don't know if that is something that voters will hold against him in the way I guess you could say that I am at this moment. Uh, I have been more impressed, frankly, with the job that Zach Taylor did in Cincinnati because of how difficult that division is. He, you know, for all of the flaws of the Steelers, that's a team, you know, in, in that we called it the Ricky Bobby division, your first or your last, where week to week you go from number one to number four. I mean, they are a really tough out. That's a team that is difficult to play, and the Bengals have destroyed them this season. The Browns had a immensely uh, disappointing year. Baker Mayfield stunk to join up, but otherwise that's a pretty good football team. We saw them almost beat Green Bay on Christmas and, and some of the games that they've had this year. You know, they've had to game plan for, and, and they've beaten them handily a couple times. The Ravens, obviously, uh, are a perennial playoff team, a powerhouse, have you know, been one of the better teams in the conference the last few years. So I think to climb to the top of, of a difficult division and to do it after a couple years where, by the way, your team was bad, like the Titans were in the AFC Championship game a couple years ago. I know they lost Derrick Henry. Uh, he's a running back. Running backs are fairly replaceable in this league. Um, so I I like Vrabel. It sounds like I don't. I'm advocating for somebody else here. But, 
I yeah, no, I got say, you. Matt, Matt LaFleur has done a hell of a job with Green Bay. I mean, it, it, people disrespect coaching good teams and, like, how hard that is when there is major turmoil. They just think you wave a wand over a good team with a good quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a pain in the butt, it seems like, to deal with at times. You know, ask Mike McCarthy. Look at their record before LaFleur got there and the games Rodgers started over. You know, 40 games, they were barely 500. And LaFleur has not only made him better and gotten him back to where he's at MVP last year and possibly this year, but I think he's done it in a way where everything around him has improved as well. So those are a couple names I'd throw out there. But for me, if I had a vote, I might go Taylor just because he started the year on the hot seat and he's going to end the year having knocked off the Chiefs and really solidified himself as a true uh, coach of a contender. Yeah, he's the favorite for a reason. I, I don't disagree there. The Vrabel point about the running back, typically I would agree there. It's just we know Derrick Henry is not just your everyday running back. That's my only thing because typically I would totally agree that, all right, all right, you overcame not having a, a running back, and those are replaceable. But, I mean, Derrick Henry was going to continue to set records this season, and so I think that was a significant loss. Like the number one seed to me still holds a, a lot of weight just in terms of that accomplishment, especially now when, when it's the only seed that gets a bye week, as we know, uh, on the AFC and the NFC side. And then Green Bay, you're right about the, how we view Coach of the Year when it comes to Matt LaFleur. This goes for Belichick. This goes for Andy Reid and some of these top-tier coaches where they have these high expectations in, you know, to begin with. And it's why, short of going, you know, now I guess 17-0 and uh, for Bill Belichick or Andy Reid or 15-2 and or whatever, like it's awfully tough for those guys to ever get some love for Coach of the Year. Yeah, it really is, and and I know that the Patriots lost some steam here over the last couple of weeks, but I don't think it would be in any way disappointing or off the mark if Bill Belichick ended up getting a bunch of votes. I mean, again, this is a team with a rookie quarterback who they can't really put a ton on his plate and ask him to do a whole lot just yet, who has turned themselves into a fringe number one team in the conference. And by the way, there is still an algorithm that, that would allow them to be the top seed. So by your kind of argument for the Titans, you know, I'd ask you, if, if the Patriots end up the number one team in the conference, absolutely, Matt Jones at yes. quarterback, don't you then have to consider the, the mad scientist Bill Belichick, the hoodie? A absolutely. No, absolutely. And, and look, the, the, the market showed that back when – uh, the Patriots were still in first in the AFC East before that Bills game, before they lost to, to Buffalo a week or so ago. Bill Belichick, I, I believe it was like plus 200 or so, had either the best or second-best odds. It's just that shift because if you're not going to win your division, uh, it's impossible to win coach of, the, I mean, coach of the year. It just is, right? I mean, so it, that, that, that really hurt Bill Belichick's case, obviously. What about MVP? Because that, that to me, is done. Aaron Rodgers, I don't, it doesn't matter what happens this weekend with Tom Brady or anything like that. That, that, team, that thing is done. It, the market reflects that as well. Aaron Rodgers is minus 400 right now. Comeback player of the year is the other one that's interesting before we get to our spotlight games. So comeback player of the year, all year it really has been between Dak Prescott and Joe Burrow anyway. Like I could have probably told you that before the season started. Like Those are going to be two of the better candidates, both play quarterback, both coming off significant injuries. And I actually think Joe Burrow should have been getting way more attention. And I actually would vote for Joe Burrow on this. My issue with him winning it is going to be, I think a lot of voters are going to go with a little bit of the name recognition and still a guy that's been in the league and, and a guy that, that people maybe are a little more attached to than Joe Burrow, who's still only in year two of the league. But you look at the numbers. They're not far off from each other. I think Burrow has like two or three more touchdowns, but he does have three, three more picks or so. He's got more yards. They're both going to win their division. They both have won their division. Seeding-wise, it's not. there's a chance it's not all that different. You just mentioned 
playoff scenarios, there is still a scenario where Cincinnati's the one seed, although now, as we know, they're going to start Brandon Allen and not they're going to have Joe Mixon out. And so it's going to be very unlikely that it actually happens. But Joe Burrow at plus 135, where Dak's one, minus 175, I actually think Joe Burrow should be getting some more love and more attention there. I wouldn't mind putting some money on it. I do, too. If Dak didn't play for the Cowboys, I would think Joe Burrow had a yeah, shot. There you go. There but you go. There is just a, a couple of extra bonus votes come your way when you do it on the team that everybody over talks about. You know, they are most of the time competitive and pretty good. But they also have, as my co-host in D.C. says, which I love, they are the Kardashians of the NFL, right? They are famous <laughs> yeah, yeah. for being famous and even if they're just picking their nose, people are going to tell you about them picking their nose. So Dak gets bonus points for that. Remember, his injury was just a way bigger deal for whatever reason. Like, it was on national TV. It was gruesome to watch. I was watching the Joe Burrow injury live because it came against the Washington yeah. football team in D.C., but that was a 1 o'clock game where those two markets were watching. So I think that matters a little bit. For whatever reason, too, you know, torn ACLs, it, maybe it's just that they're so common at this point, but – the expectation is you come back, no problem. Whereas Prescott suffered what is that visible fracture of the leg, and it's just a gruesome, awful stomach-turning video that you know gets circulated in these weird times on social media. So, you know, for all that, I think the thought was he was coming back from a more serious injury, so to speak. Uh, but I'm with you, Burrow. The conversation should have been framed differently, maybe from the beginning, and and they would have been on even footing, so to speak. And and then maybe it's a better conversation now, but. I think it's Prescott's award to lose. I think the odds reflect that correctly. One thing I will ask you, though, that you kind of brush past is MVP and Aaron Rodgers. And you know he's the MVP, and I know he's the MVP. But you are seeing some advocating out there for Tom Brady. I saw a couple of the PFF guys you know, putting together all of their materials on all, why he's their number one rated guy and in war and all this stuff. And I also wonder, and I'm, I'm not doing shtick, I mean this, Hub Arkish came out and yep. took a lot of heat this week and said, hey, I'm not voting for Aaron Rodgers. And it became a national story. It was a ridiculous take, and it, it should have been a national story. And he probably shouldn't be allowed to vote, honestly, if he made up his mind before the season started that somebody was disqualified. But I wonder if anyone else thinks that way who's just not going to tell us. Right. right. Honestly, and, and, I mean, let's not forget that this vote is – it's not computers just looking at the numbers and value and all this stuff. These, these are human beings, and I wonder, incorrectly, if these people have flawed opinions like Hub Arkish, and they saw how he get knocked around, and they just kind of went back into their house and said, well, I'm not going to say why I'm voting for Tom Brady. That's something that I do wonder. I do think it should be Aaron Rodgers. I think there will be a few others that join Hub on that. Uh, there's 50 voters, as you know, and it would not surprise me if there's four, five, six others that are that are similar in, in line with him but it is ridiculous that you can decide your mvp at least who you're not going to vote for before the season starts i mean that is absurd that is ridiculous that should not allow you to continue to be a voter uh and it'll be interesting by the way if we ever felt like what do we think like is hub still like despite all the controversy is he still going to vote for jonathan taylor or or, or tom brady oh, uh, after absolutely. that absolutely like, or, is he, I mean, or, he, or do you think he changed because he, he wrote a column apologizing, although it wasn't a full apology. His apology kind of was, um, it's still all you radio guys' fault, though, because I don't agree with you. You're going after me kind of thing. No, 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 no. His apology, more than anything else, 
was not to Aaron Rodgers or for saying something that was stupid. Oh, to so the other voters, yeah. Yeah, his apology was to the voters for putting <laughs> them in a bad spot. There was no mea culpa saying, yeah, my, my logic is flawed. Voting for someone based on their vaccination status is preposterous. He didn't right. say, yeah, my logic was abhorrent and coming into the season with my mind made up that someone can't win the MVP award uh, is probably a, a dumb idea, so I'm going to rethink it. He didn't say that. He said, I'm sorry to my other voters that people are being mean to you right now. Uh, yeah, he's going to vote for Jonathan Taylor or Tom Brady. And as long as he's got a vote, he could do whatever he wants. But um, if you rule people out because they disagree with you on anything, frankly, but certainly <laughs> on hot button issues in society today, as far as I'm concerned, you, you don't get a vote. And I'm saying that as someone who has been a Habarkish fan uh, until this week, I, I guess, for a long, 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 <laughs> yeah, long yeah. time. I yeah. used to read, you know, Pro Football Weekly, and I listened to his uh, segments, and I've always thought he was really good. And, and still, I will listen to segments in the future where I think he's really good. I just can't believe that's a take that he has. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> of course, Aaron Rodgers calling him a bum, I think, three times in his, uh, his Q&A uh, the other day as well. Okay, enough of some of these season awards. This is the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Let's get to the spotlight games, though, for this week. And, and the one that I'm really looking forward to, let's start there on Sunday Night Football. It's an AFC West showdown between the Chargers and the Raiders. This game is in Las Vegas. The Chargers are three-point favorites. It's win and you're in, although there is a, a weird scenario that's been talked about this week, uh, perhaps as well, that uh, if the right results were to fall in place with some upsets, that both the Raiders and Chargers could actually get in by tying the game so they would know before the game that just simply tie and you're both in brandon staley the head coach of the chargers was asked about that on uh, i think it was the dan patrick or the rich eisen show this week and essentially kind of laughed it off and, and said that's just not they would they wouldn't just you know uh, sit there and kneel the ball 70 straight times or whatever which was kind of a joke on twitter throughout much of the week but this is a great game i, I go back to the quarterbacks though and, and, and I know the Raiders deserve a ton of credit for even being in this position. It is remarkable, really, what they've been thinking of coach of the year. Even an interim head coach, Rick Pisaki, deserves some love here for what he's able to do with this team. But Herbert versus Carr in a win-in-your-end win, win in your end playoff game, I'm going to side with Justin Herbert in this one. I don't have it as my pick six, uh, but I like the Chargers to win outright, and I would take them uh, minus the three if I had to. Yeah, I'll take the Chargers as well because they're the better football team. You know, Herbert's not playing car. We don't play football that way. But Herbert is playing the Raiders, and the Raiders are playing the Chargers. And if Derek Carr was the quarterback of the Chargers, I'd still be taking the Chargers because they're better. Um, it'll be made as a referendum on Derek Carr because that's how the media operates. And that's how we do things, which is flawed. Having said that, uh, yeah, I, I We'll go back to the first time these two teams played. I mean, it ended up being a pretty close game, if you remember. But the Chargers came out and absolutely blitzed the Raiders. They were up 21 to nothing at the half before Vegas stormed back. And then in the end, it was uh, the cheat them 28. But you look at the season, Herbert's having with 35 touchdowns, 4600 yards. He's got a better supporting cast. He's got better weapons to throw the ball to. They've got a better scheme. They've got a better uh, they have an actual head coach, no disrespect to you. a good job, but he's an interim guy that got elevated amid turmoil. It's been a nice little story that they're wrong. Uh, you know, they won't get enough credit in the end, probably, for how much they've been. But the Chargers are the better team, and they'll make the playoffs. 
Darren Waller being available is definitely a nice boost, though, for Derek Carr and the Raiders. He's been out the last couple of weeks. I just don't still think they have the firepower uh, to keep to keep up uh, with the Chargers. But it is it is cool to see uh, a win all win in your end game, as we know the NFL always puts that kind of on Sunday Night Football. But also that it's between uh, the Raiders, who so many, including myself, had, had wrote off. If they are able to sneak into the playoffs, it's it's pretty remarkable if they're in fact able to accomplish that. That's just one of the spotlight games. Of course, we're going to focus in on a couple other ones here. We've got our favorite plays for the week coming up next. Our, also our Sunday studs. It's a week 18 edition of the Sunday spread here on BetQL. Every Sunday morning, start your day off with FanDuel Game Day from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern with Jeremy Kahn and Chris Mack. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. All right, we'll get to our pick six here momentarily, but we continue our spotlight games. It is week 18, and how about in the AFC South? The Tennessee Titans, 10-point favorites at the Houston Texans, the total at 42. We all know earlier this season it was the Texans going to Nashville and actually upsetting the Tennessee Titans. So it has happened before, but a lot of implications on this game, Grant. The Titans are in position to lock up the number one seed if they get a win. If they don't, they need some help. They would need, of course, you know, a Cincinnati, a New England, a Kansas City, for example, uh, to, to lose in order for them still to retain that. But this is, this is why we were talking about Coach of the Year. It's pretty remarkable that even the Titans, despite – Yes, an easy division. I understand that they're in position here with a win over a bad Houston Texans team, even if they're playing better right now, that they can lock up the number one seed. And I, I don't I don't think we're going to see history repeat itself from a few weeks ago where Davis Mills and the Texans were able to get that win. That was a, a monsoon weather-wise. The Titans were without multiple players. And, and despite Davis Mills actually playing at an average or above average level the last three or four weeks, I just don't believe with what's on the line in this game – that, that Mike Vrabel and the Titans lose straight up once again to the Houston Texans. Yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, I want to commend Davis Mills, who was, you know, the punchline of some jokes earlier this season. Yeah. I mean, he has played admirably, to your point, and it looks like he could actually be able to play a little bit in this league. So kudos to him and to the Texans for playing hard. But when a team has something that uh, – is in front of them and another team doesn't i always lean toward the hungry team the desperate team and you're right the one seed the buy is so important now the line is big like the titans could win going away and still not cover 10 because the texans backdoor their way into losing by eight or nine or something like that that's the fear that's why i hate betting a lot of these lopsided lines in week 18 frankly having said that this is one of the few where i would actually play this because i do think the titans win handily I think that they get up big and kind of just beat the Texans in a submission. So this is one of the few double-digit spreads this week that I actually really like. But um, the, the Titans, you're right. Rabel's done an amazing job. When they lost Derrick Henry, I thought there was no chance that they were going to hang and be the number one team in the conference. 
And, and a lot of it has to do, frankly, with the other teams in the conference also kind of dropping sure. back to the pack. You know, if you look at their record, it's not like they ripped off a, a great stretch and only lost one or two games. But everyone kind of together, you know, stepped backwards. So it worked out for them. But you got to give Rabel a lot of credit. Their defense elevated its game. And as Tannehill struggled and turned the ball over a lot, nothing really seemed to matter. And for the Texans in their future, whether, you know, Davis Mills, I think with his play, I think they're going to give him a strong look that knowing what the quarterback draft class looks like, they maybe they run out Davis Mills again next season based on how he's performed here down the stretch. And David Coley is an interesting one. Before the season, I would have said, oh, he's for sure, Grant, one and done. For sure, one and done. But I'm, I'm not so sure, I, you know, if you listen down in Houston, maybe there's a chance that they give him one more year. Now, whether you agree with that is another thing because I think we would say at some point the odds of him making it two seasons if they're going to continue to, to have this current roster for the most part probably is, is unlikely. So do you just blow it up already or do you give David Coley another year while you're still in this transitional period? But I would never have thought he'd even have a chance to make it to next season, but I actually think he might be the head coach again. Yeah, I respect how they've played for him here in the stretch run but they're really bad and he, he's done a few things this year just decision wise you know we'll go on for fourth downs or not where it just to me it, it's not what the league is now and my philosophy on this is really simple there are 32 of these jobs in the entire world and if you don't feel like you've got a, a an excellent head coach if you don't feel like you've got a championship level head coach then you need to be going to try to swing for the fences so if I'm running that show, a lot of things would be different, but one of them would be that we are moving in a different direction. And I would want Cully on my staff, for the record. This is a mensch. I mean, by all accounts, every person that I've talked to about him loves this guy. He thinks he's one of the best human beings they know. And He's never called plays, though. He's never been a coordinator, right? It was kind of an outkicking of his coverage to get the job. So maybe he's a coordinator next year. Maybe he's going back to coaching running backs or receivers or whatever. I want him in my building. It seems like he's a leader of men, but I, I've got to try to make sure that I've got a head coach that I'm paying top of the market money to who's one of the best on the planet. And if I don't feel like that's the case, then I'm not doing it right. Bill O'Brien is uh, is interviewing again. You know, they could always go back down that route, Grant. You know, Bill O'Brien interviewing for the for the Jags job as the, uh, the retread. Uh, hires perhaps continue in the NFL. All right, our last spotlight game, NFC West showdown, Rams and 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo's got the thumb injury. It's leaning more and more like Trey Lance going to be the guy. I know Kyle Shanahan on Friday said he already knows who the guy is, even though he hasn't ruled out Jimmy Garoppolo. I get the sense that this is going to be Trey Lance uh, starting in a game that the 49ers have to have. They are four-and-a-half-point dogs to the Rams, and the Rams are, are seriously battling some seeding here. A win, and all of a sudden they could be a two-seed. If they lose, there's scenarios where the Rams could fall all the way back to the five-seed, uh, as a matter of fact, if, if everything broke in the opposite direction here. I, I think for San Francisco, uh, not only do they need New Orleans to lose in case they lose this game to the Rams, but for San Francisco, I, I know a lot of has been made about how Kyle Shanahan handled uh, the coaching end versus the GM end of these quarterbacks, right? Drafting Trey Lance for a reason, but then still letting Jimmy Garoppolo play. I'm still I'm still convinced that uh, there was a point in time around week six or seven where they were, to me, going to switch to Trey Lance, but then Trey Lance got hurt, and then Jimmy Garoppolo started playing better. And so I think if it wasn't for that, I would have been – I would love to know the truth of how close they were going to Trey Lance. 
now there's a chance where Trey Lance is going to get some some essentially playoff experience. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world here, but the Rams have a ton to play for. I actually like the Rams to win this game outright, although I don't like them on, on minus four and a half here. I would I would consider uh, perhaps actually the total in this game going under 44 and a half. Yeah, I, I kind of like San Francisco in points, but like you, I'm not convinced they're going to win the game at all. And I worry for Shanahan and his team that they're going to potentially be on the outside looking in. Uh, I kind of like Atlanta in the matchup with New Orleans, though. Maybe they luck out that way uh, and, and backdoor their way into the postseason. You know, the, the Garoppolo-Lance thing to me is interesting. I could be way off on this. I just don't think Trey Lance is, has been ready. I mean, this guy played so little football. That yeah, 13 starts this, in college. Yeah, yeah, and, and not at a college where he plays against many people that are in the NFL. Uh, when we saw him in a really limited capacity early in the year, it didn't look like he was ready to start. Now, everyone just assumed because they drafted him in the top five that that meant he was going to start right away. But the, the precedent, the history of guys in the top five with his resume – it's pretty slim. You know, he's not a power conference top five draftee. So I think if, if he gave them a better chance to win, Kyle Shanahan would probably have been playing him. Uh, and I'm not a big Jimmy Garoppolo low guy for that reason. Now, you saw this past week when Lance played. The numbers were really good. The performance was, I thought, strong. He had a bad pick early, bounced back from that. But a lot of that is schemed up. You know, a lot of that was also like late in the game on catch and run stuff from Debo Samuel. So, Let's see what he does this weekend. If he plays really well, then maybe Kyle Shanahan was wrong and, and everyone who wasn't watching him practice was right. Uh, I just think that Shanahan was making the decision all season long based on how can I best operate the best offense, keep them from stacking the box against my running game, be multidimensional, make some explosives downfield, uh, all those things. But um, San Francisco, for me, is a better team than New Orleans. Like if they played on a neutral site this weekend. I agree with that be, for sure six-point yeah. favorites, and they might win the game by nine or ten. And for that reason, I hope they get into the playoffs and New Orleans doesn't because the Saints are a really tough watch offensively at this point. All right, those are our spotlight games. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. It's the Sunday spread. Let's get to our picks, the pick six. The pick six. All right, so we just got done talking about uh, the, the AFC South. I'll, I'll have a play on that game with the Titans in a second, but I actually want to go to a game that – Look, it's not one that you probably want to hold, watch a whole lot of, and that's actually why I like the under. That's how ugly this game's going to be involving two AFC North teams, the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. The under 38, this has actually moved uh, to around 37 and a half in some spots as well. I have it at under 38. Brandon Allen and Case Keenum are the quarterbacks. That's all I need to really say about this one. These are two teams that aren't playing for a whole lot because Cincinnati's gone ahead and said, all right, we're, we're all right, even if we take an L here seed-wise, because we're going to get our guy Joe Burrow healthy. They're going to be, I think, pretty conservative overall. And then Cincinnati, then Cleveland, we know, is an absolute mess. They're eliminated from the playoffs. Baker Mayfield drama, he's not going to play. Kevin Stefanski drama with Baker Mayfield and, and the way uh, the media and Baker Mayfield have been going back and forth. Uh, on social media as well this week as well. I, I just don't think there's a lot of offense whatsoever in this game on either side under 38. So I actually really like that play. And in fact, I'll probably add it to my list of things to play this weekend uh, now that you've got it on my mind. My concern would be how sure are we that the Browns' offense doesn't get better with Baker With a healthy quarterback? With a healthy QB? Yeah, right. I mean, there's, a, and I'm, there's a chance. I'm not trying to hot take it or troll Baker Mayfield. I mean, that guy clearly couldn't do it 
And if he was that hurt, by the way, I don't just blame Baker Mayfield. I blame the Browns. I blame Kevin Stefanski. You know, because that's now what they're saying is, well, he played that way because he was so hurt. Then he should not have been on the field. He gave them Agreed. no chance yes. in the recent weeks. And I, I've always, just to, to get it out there, I'm, I'm not a Baker Mayfield guy in terms of everybody else thinking, you know, this guy should have been paid the $40 million contract and the extension. And I think he's like the 18th best quarterback in the NFL. And, and you know, we talked about like Derek Carr earlier, who's like, the 12th or 13th best quarterback and everyone kills Derek Carr every chance they get, but they praise Baker Mayfield. Like that guy's not on that level. He's, you know, the, the, so the point is I I came in not really liking him as a franchise QB to make $40 million, but even still I feel for him because they shouldn't have been putting him in this spot where he looked the way that he did. And now on the back end, he's taking on heat that he probably doesn't deserve. So it was a bad situation all the way around, but are they not going to possibly be a little bit better, more explosive in the passing game with Case Keenum? That's a real question. Yeah, no, there could be could be an upgrade there. I, I would wonder this for both these teams, though, and specifically Cleveland. Yes, maybe an upgrade at quarterback, but, you know, it's week 18, long season. It's kind of the cliche thing here, but I do buy into it where a lot of these guys are ready to head on down to Cabo and, and start it's enjoying true. the beach a little bit. And I think that factors in just a bit and then on the the Cincy side yeah it's just simple that you're gonna have Brandon Allen and no Joe Mixon and no uh, Trey Hendrickson I mean there's a lot of pieces missing on on the the Bengals heading in what about you what do you got so I'll be really quick with my first one I don't know there's a lot to to be said here I like Arizona minus five and a half in their matchup with Seattle Uh, again picking any of these games this week is really tough you don't know which Seahawks team is going to show up or how much will they care but I kind of look for teams in some spots that needed it and the Cardinals could still win the division. So they come in, they have something to play for. If something goes sideways, maybe they can punt at some point on the game. Maybe punt a lot figuratively and literally. But the the Cardinals (laughs) at minus five and a half, I think they need it. I think they're going to try to actually play and win the football game. And for that reason, I like them. My second pick, I'm going to go the opposite direction, which is a team that theoretically doesn't need it. Uh, The Falcons, to me, are just every bit as good as New Orleans right now, and they're catching three and a half. Uh, I'm... it's hard for me to unsee what I've seen from the Saints offense the last several weeks. I just don't think that highly of, of that team right now because of their injuries. If they had a healthier line or a healthier across the board, I'm a big Sean Payton believer. I think they could put a plan together to go out and make the playoffs and win. But even if the Falcons lose the game, I think it'll be super tight, come down to a field goal. So catching the hook there on three and a half is uh, pretty sexy to me. So we're on opposite ends for that game. I, I like New Orleans, and and I think they actually are able to win by, by a touchdown in this game. This goes back to how kind of I'm approaching Week 18, right? For me, I'm approaching with teams, you know, you're not wrong on, do I think New Orleans is that much better than Atlanta? No, I, I honestly don't. But what team actually is playing for something? It's amazing that the Saints are able to sit here and have a chance to get in the playoffs if they win and the Niners lose, considering everything that's happened with them injury-wise. And so I just think there's a huge advantage to that on the mental side, knowing what you're playing for, which is a lot for the Saints and nothing for the Atlanta Falcons. That's had a really tough year in year one, of course, with Calvin Ridley not playing much of this season with everything he's been going through. So I, I, I kind of view it that way. Uh, but I don't disagree that I don't think Atlanta is that much worse of a, of a football team. All right, uh, last one for me. Uh, it is over with the Tennessee Titans. I actually liked them to cover the 10. We were talking a lot about that game earlier and the implications here, kind of similar realm, and also why I'm not as hesitant maybe as you were on the, the big spreads 
uh, overall this weekend. Favorites of seven and a half or higher since week 13 are 24, nine and two against the spread. Double digit favorites are 15, five and two against the spread. So since week 13, these, these teams have actually been able to cover it. And then yes, the Titans have a ton to play for. Yeah, the, the problem with those numbers, which I like, and good nuggets, it's now week 18, and, and I think you throw a lot of that out the window. Like, there were teams playing for things the last several weeks that had to cover those numbers. My last game is the Jets plus 16 and a half. I think they cover that number against the Bills. If this was two weeks ago, I think the Bills would have absolutely run up the score and beaten them by 24. But the Bills have to win the game to try to win the division. If they're up by 15 or 17 late, don't keep Josh Allen in the game in the fourth quarter. You know, don't risk injuries. And in that case, you need a field goal. You need a touchdown here or there, even if you're down 20 and you cover. So I think the numbers could skew differently than what you just said in this final week for that reason, anecdotally. Well, with, look, if it, 16 and a half is a whole different ball game, right, than, than 10 for me or 10 and a half, sure. depending on the number you got for for Tennessee. Yeah, 16 and a half, I, you know, the Jets are always risky to back. But for your logic right there, if you're Buffalo, yeah, if you're already up 14 late, why on earth are you still leaving Josh Allen in the game? I, I'm with you with that thought process as well. So those are our teams and our plays there. How about on the prop bet side, our Sunday studs? We get to those next along with a little around the league in week 18 on BetQL. Every Sunday morning, start your day off with FanDuel Game Day from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern with Jeremy Kahn and Chris Mack. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. Yeah, Grant and I were, were joking a little bit during the break because I think I brought this up on, on the show before. For those of that you have listened, maybe when I when I was on uh, one of our other shows here on BetQL, I, I, you know, I there's a certain fast casual restaurant that has uh, rice bowls that I frequent very often, like four times a week. Grant was asking for my order, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty standard stuff. Grant, you know, we go with a little white rice, a little pinto beans, a little veggie, uh, some steak, some corn, some pico, and I'm I'm in good shape. So do you do this for lunch four times a week or dinner or mix it up? Like, how, how are you pulling yeah. it off? So it's usually weekdays. But, for example, you know, I get off the air here locally for my, my show I do on a daily basis around 2. But my show's from 10 to 2. So it's during lunch. So I'm starving. By the time 2 o'clock hits, I'm very hungry. So it ends up being like a hybrid lunch dinner. I kind of load up. It's like an early dinner kind of thing is what I do. And then do you eat dinner after that at like Depends. 6 or 7? It depends. It's probably more of a more of a snack because, you know, that's the one thing about the, you know, the, the restaurant we're talking about. If you get the chips and the salsa as well, it can actually hold me out versus some other places. I'm terrible about cooking food. My, my guys here in KC give me a hard time, Grant, all the time. I don't cook. I eat out all the time. It's not healthy, but it's just me. I'm a single guy. So sometimes I actually think it's cheaper for me to eat out, believe it or not, than if I was trying to prepare a whole meal because I don't eat leftovers. I'm, I'm a picky eater. I'm bad about leftovers. There's very few things I actually eat left over. 
I hate eating leftovers at this point <laughs> in my life. So I can totally relate to that. Um, yeah, I, I am impressed. I mean, if I ate four days a week at that spot, I gain a lot of weight really easily and really fast. Well, see, so that's the you thing, you probably Brent. are putting in more exercise than I do, I'm guessing. No, see, right now I'm still a beneficiary of metabolism, and it's it's uh, fast metabolism. That's going to end here soon. I'm going to enjoy it. I uh, My birthday's next week. I'm going to be a year older, and I feel like it's going to – it's going to start going downhill a little bit. But anyway, you got, you're the guy that created the Paulson, as we learned last week. The, uh, what is it? The, uh, the, the meatballs in a cup. So you, you keep That's telling me. a cup me, of meatballs. Yeah, some, some Ideally, a red solo cup is what we're looking for. Okay. You walk around. Okay. People think you're having a drink. Every time you put the cup up to your mouth, you're taking a little sip. But really, you're just eating a meatball. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's get to our prop bets here. Let's get to the Sunday studs. It's the Sunday spread. The Sunday Spread presents the Sunday Studs. So I'm going to go with an anytime touchdown bet here, and it's a win in your end game. Sunday night football, Chargers, Raiders. We, we highlighted that game a little bit. I'm going to go with the veteran that has, obviously, at this point in time in his career, you wonder how many more chances uh, to, to make a run in the postseason. Keenan Allen, anytime touchdown, plus one forty. I think a lot of points are scored in that Raiders-Chargers game, first and foremost, and Four touchdowns in the last four weeks already for Keenan Allen. So I think at plus 140, this is a nice spot for him, for Justin Herbert to find him and get him at least one touchdown in this game against the Raiders secondary. I actually like that a lot. Uh, my first prop bet I'm going to go with, I went with Cooper Cup last week and it backfired on me. I'm going to do it again, though. There's a conversation to be had about how impressive or unimpressive or legitimate or credible any of these records that'll be broken in an extra game are. I feel like this is the movie 1961, the Billy Crystal, a Crystal Classic on HBO, and Maris and Mantle are chasing the babe <laughs> with extra games to do it. But Cooper Cup at 118.5, which is a big old juicy number. That's a, a huge number to get to. I just have to imagine, knowing Sean McVay like I do, I cover the guy, I have a relationship with the guy, like Sean McVay, he loves his players, man. And I know that he knows that it's important to Cooper Cup to get to the number. So I'm just assuming at some point they go into feed cup mode. And they're going to have to either have a lead or they're going to have to be able to prioritize that over the game potentially. But you might even be able to kill two birds with one stone because he's one of your best players. I think he goes for a buck 20, buck 30 in a massive performance to try to get where he wants to go with yards. So I'll go Cooper Cup over. So I'm on the opposite side. I actually have the under 116 and a half. I think that's for... the popular play, by the way. Yeah, I'd have to take a look at where the where the money's at on on that. I mean, I, I don't. I, basically, it was like 120 when I minus 120 when I last looked uh, over at, at FanDuel for that number. And look, I mean, Cups had a ridiculous season. I mean, I'm not saying he's not capable of doing it. I just think that number is so high for a wide receiver that is predicated on the quarterback getting him the ball and you might be right Sean McVay may say look we got this game in hand perhaps uh and, and let's go ahead and take care of it for, for Cooper Cup or I guess you could say if you think the Niners are going to give him a fight for much of the game maybe they maybe they truly have to keep feeding Cooper Cup but Cup's line has been above 96 four times this season and he's only gone over that once despite the crazy numbers he's put up and that's that's twice in the last two weeks uh, as well so that's my issue with uh, with going over uh, my last one is another wide receiver grant brandon cooks over 64 and a half receiving yards he's gone over that twice in the last two weeks eight times this year this is the texans taking on a, a titan secondary that still has some issues there and and david coley still has these guys fighting and playing hard davis mills has been decent the last four or five weeks they haven't had bad quarterback play 
uh, during that span, and, and credit to them for that. And I think Brandon Cooks, who's clearly the best option there in that offense, will get over 65 receiving yards in this game. I like that. Yeah, the, the cup call is based solely on, because you're right, 118 any other week, I would say, is, is a crazy number. Normally, wide receiver ones are in the 95, 98 range, something like that. But why are they putting the numbers so high? It's the reflection of the, the attempt to go hunt this record, right? So so I'm buying in on that. Uh, same game, Debo Samuel, rushing yards, 25 and a half. Taking that uh, for all of the reasons that we've discussed on Debo Samuel for weeks and weeks on this show. San Francisco's got to have it. They got to move the ball. They got to win. He's their best football player as far as I'm concerned. And that means he's got to be heavily involved. And then I'll go Russell Gage of the Falcons. We were talking about that Atlanta-New Orleans game. Uh, I happen to like Atlanta to keep it really close. I think they cover three and a half, whether they win outright or not. And they probably don't. But I think to move the ball through the air, it's it's basically pits and gauge at this point. I mean, they're just short on weapons. You've seen Gage come on in the second half of this season, just like he did last year. I could see him catching six or seven balls for somewhere around 65 to 75 yards. So I'll go over 52 and a half for him. One thing we haven't even really addressed in these these prop bets, and, and honestly, you keep an eye for those of you that are watching on Twitch and, and listening across the bet stations and on the Odyssey app here, you know, with, with some of the markets and specifically at FanDuel, a lot of the prop bets have been a little bit late to come in this week with not only COVID, but just some uncertainty. But there's a lot of players that have incentives on the line too, Grant, and you're wondering how much coaches are aware of of those. You know, like Gronk, for example. I couldn't find the, the latest number on that, but he's – He's in position where if he has a decent enough day, he could get a you know a five hundred thousand dollar bonus. There's some other guys that are in play for for incentives like that that I think you have to keep in mind. You know, Daryl Williams, uh, a running back in Kansas City this 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 weekend as well. Like there's there's multiple guys that that have you know maybe sixty yards to go or five receptions to go uh, to where all of a sudden they cash in a nice little one hundred twenty five thousand dollar bonus. Yep, that's absolutely something you see in week 18, or it used to be week 17, all the time. As well as, and I go back to the records again, you know, looking for if, if Brady needs X amount of completions or yards. You know, maybe they throw the ball a little bit more often, although it's hard to imagine the Bucks throwing the ball a little bit more often because he's on pace to set the record for pass attempts in a season. But, you know, one other Antonio Brown this weekend could, set, could, could make himself several million dollars. Targets, catches, yards. Wait, hold on. Something's <laughs> coming into my ear right now. Oh, I'm being told he's been released for being a jackass. Um, so, uh, yes, I, there are guys that could go out and could absolutely get their numbers uh, this weekend for sure. We almost made it through the whole show without mentioning AB. I was I was getting ready to make a comment at the end that like, we we somehow didn't actually bring him up. We almost we almost made it there, Grant. Yeah, what a week that has been for Antonio Brown, and now you got the, uh, the and, Instagram model as well that, that mentions him sneaking her into the hotel room. It's been a it's been a heck of a story this week, that's for sure. It's been unbelievable. I, you know, part of me feels for the guy, but I, I'm uncomfortable with all the people that are diagnosing him with right. these issues that you don't know that he has. Are you a doctor? Have you examined him? Like that is uncomfortable to me and weird that everyone's willing to just do that. And to some extent, you only get so many shots i would say and he's had more lives in this league than a cat i can't imagine another team gives him an opportunity after he stormed off the field doing jumping jacks ah, yeah man we know podcasts. how this usually works though he's calling out tom brady who's let him live with him multiple times to get him back into the league so uh, we'll see but yeah on, on our local show actually in dc we we purposefully haven't touched it all week because you know as far as i'm concerned i i, I want to talk about players that aren't doing stuff like that you know but uh 
He, I bring him up because he actually could have made a yes. ton of money this weekend just by playing in the football game, and he opted against that, obviously. Yeah, the story came out that he had asked the Bucks prior to this past week, though, to guarantee uh, those incentives, right, to guarantee those bonuses, and they refused. And so you wonder how much that played a role in, in his unhappiness uh, heading into that Jets game as well. But, uh, look, I guess when you've made as much money as he is, uh, he has, uh, you know, a million dollars, and it's not, not exactly something that he feels like he's got to be able to, to retain. Okay, those are our, pro- our plays, our prop bets here, the Sunday studs. Let's go around the league a little bit. It is the final regular season week. Of course, we'll still be here throughout the playoff run all the way through the Super Bowl on BetQL, uh, but Green Bay in Detroit, uh, you've you've backed Detroit, I think, probably more than I have this season. I think a lot of weeks we, we've, we've looked at Detroit, and they've been very, it's worked out for you, right? I think they're 10-4 and four against the spread this season. Green Bay, uh, minus three at Detroit, the total 44 and a half. Uh, Matt LaFleur said he doesn't really want to give his guys three full weeks off, so I think you'll see some of the starters play a little bit, but they're going to be very, very cautious here. I, I, if I had to make a play in any game that involves a team that's really locked up everything, I'm, I'm just flat out not going to uh, to make a play on it. But I would lean with Detroit actually to cover the three and a half in this game. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. Uh, and as you said, backing the Lions to cover spreads has been really productive so far this year. Uh, the Colts are 15 and a half point favorites in Jacksonville. Indianapolis has to win to get into the playoffs or else – they would need to rely on help. Total in this game is 44. I mean, Jacksonville trying to have one final decent game for Trevor Lawrence launching into the offseason before they find him a new head coach to work with. I actually think the Colts cover a huge number here, not because they're going to keep their starters or anything like that. I think they will be up huge, and they will win the game, and they'll make the playoffs. They've had so many backups playing, particularly on their offensive line. I don't know what the difference is, really. Like They could play their backups and beat Jacksonville, I think. I mean, that's a really, really good yeah. team. Um, so I expect the Colts to win going away. One other one, uh, Pittsburgh, three-and-a-half-point dogs at Baltimore, the total at 41-and-a-half. Uh, Pittsburgh still has that, that path that needs a lot of help. There's 256 playoff scenarios this weekend. Uh, but we know that Lamar Jackson, once again, not going to play for the Baltimore Ravens. It's been kind of an unfortunate ending to the season for Baltimore. They also need a ton of help in order to, to sneak into this game. I just stay away from this game. I really don't have a play on it uh, whatsoever. We're talking about a backup quarterback and, and two teams that need a ton of help. Yeah, I think uh, them scoring points is just such a, a difficult thing at this point in moving the football. I'm not touching anything that has to do with the Steelers in the final week of the season. All right, real quick, my Hail Mary, it's Justin Herbert and Derek Carr to combine for six-plus passing touchdowns. It's just plus 600. Hopefully Grant's okay with that one as well. That is the Sunday spread here in Week 18. We're back at it next week on BetQL. Sunday, get all your wagertainment with the You Better You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.